real news. Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is April 6, 2020. And April 9th is the eve of all. <laughs> so four more days, four more days. And it's not because it's Good Friday for most. I mean, it's not Good Friday for me, but it is for, um, you know, all other Christian faiths. Uh, but it's because we're anticipating something to come to fruition, something to come to the surface, something to be mm, explained. Um, so I put a challenge out to all my listeners this morning um, to remember when I played a specific song on air for everyone to listen to. And I thought... I would start today's program by playing the song to possibly remind you of when it was played. And the song is by Mike and the Mechanics. And it's, um, and I told all of you, you know, you should go to, um, you know, the video and see it because it's uh, actually quite interesting. Take a listen to the song.
dozen weeks ago, I played this song for you and I said, it's important that you see it with the lyrics and that you watch the video on YouTube. And there was a reason I said it. So that's a challenge. And I'm more than happy to whoever actually answers the question first to give them a commemorative sticker from the 2016 Trump campaign. Like, seriously, I'll send you that sticker, which I was sticking on cards uh, in supermarkets. Uh, fun fact that the writer of the song actually was the son of a Navy captain in England, and it topped the charts on my birthday in 1985. Um it's a pretty interesting song because if we look into the past, there are a lot of songs that tell us about stuff that we were never, ever really paying attention to. Um, so on that note, let's start with today. We have a lot going on, uh, you know, in regards to uh, our political scene on a global scale. I have um, this weekend, I have... Um, put together information that I'll be talking about on Wednesday with you and maybe uh, get together with a certain someone and we can just talk about details. Uh, not so much coronavirus relation, but other relationships. Uh, coronavirus is just a happen chance. I like that word. It's like two words together, happen chance. Um, to be um, at the same place at the same time that things are rolling out. The one thing that we need to remember is what leaders of nations were doing um, when they took office. And we have to remember there were uh, a few things the president was doing, which is what tackling, uh, diffusing the situation of this manufactured threat crises of... Um, North Korea, uh, tackling ISIS, which was out of control, and dealing with Huawei, which, by the way, I retweeted last week, which I was wondering, how's that happening? Why Twitter was advertising Huawei in the United States. Uh, I actually happened to see the ad a few times in my feed to the point where I screenshot it and I said, well, what's Twitter doing? Didn't we say no Huawei? In America, and then you have to ask yourselves, what does Huawei have to do with anything? And boy, does it have a lot to do with a lot. Um, now, in regards to coronavirus, we have heard um, uh, many uh, pundits, many channels sit there and tell us how, uh, I don't know, the president of the United States dropped the ball and didn't talk about coronavirus and wasn't really dealing with coronavirus. And we have been on air together talking about coronavirus before they thought. And I'm telling you, it's not a big deal. Uh, I personally believe this coronavirus is not a very big deal. It's simply new technology that we're not understanding how it works. So I thought I'd, you know, being the nerd that I am, I thought I could play a clip that might tell you a little bit about it in another way. Let's see if I can get this going the right way. This is pretty interesting, I'll tell you that, um, on how it goes uh, when speaking of weapons. Because I've... 
spoken to you about the craftiness of this virus from a scientific perspective on its high um, accuracy and specificity in regards to targets. Now, having said that, uh, immunocompromised individuals are obviously more prone to um, getting this so-called coronavirus. So take a listen to this clip that's 19 years old. Out of curiosity, what kind of defense technologies are we talking about? Space guns, force fields, motherships? This is an example of a bioweapon we can make available to you. A living radioactive genetic material that may be designed to attack and destroy only the specific DNA of your enemy. We have a number of efficient delivery systems. Well, we'd want certain assurances that we take military action only against your enemies and not your friends. Of course. The question arises, why have these friends of Earth not already provided you with the defense technologies that you seek from us? Most of the advanced races that we've befriended have hesitated to share their technology with us for fear that we could use it to destroy ourselves. Um, yeah, why would they? I'm just saying, if I was an alien and I was watching the TV and watching people like, you know, news from like CNN and NBC and all the shows, I'd be like, damn, those human beings are disgusting. They do all these bad things to each other. They're enslaving each other. They're not liberating each other. Why would I give them a weapon? that has specific targets to specific DNA, (laughs) I'm just saying. So this is where we're at. We've got a virus, and supposedly it's highly selective not only on the people, but the locations. And right now, what they're telling us is the president of the United States didn't do much. And Waters' words uh, pretty hit the nail. He hit the nail on the head. Take a listen to what he said, and then... Well, no, I think first we should listen to what the president said at the State of the Union, which is most important. Take a listen. Protecting Americans' health also means fighting infectious diseases. We are working with the Chinese government and working closely together on the coronavirus outbreak in China. My administration will take all necessary steps to safeguard our citizens from this threat. We have launched ambitious new initiatives to substantially improve care for Americans with kidney disease, Alzheimer's, and those struggling with mental health. And because Congress was so good as to fund my request, new cures for childhood cancer, and we will eradicate the AIDS epidemic in America by the end of this decade. What? Hold on a second. What did he say? Did he say that he's going to eradicate the AIDS epidemic? Oh, is coronavirus acting like the AIDS virus? Oh, is he exposing the intricacies and the actual methods and movements of this virus? Oh. So how is it that, you know, he didn't take it seriously when there he is during impeachment, which this poor guy hasn't been able to rest at all. 
Our president is being attacked from day one in office. They have taken away the best person for our national security by his side, which was General Flynn, and he is going to be A-OK. A-OK. I am 100% sure of that. But, um, you know, it's pretty weird how he didn't do enough. Here's what they had to say. Welcome to Waters World. I'm Jesse Waters. Keeping score, that's the subject of tonight's Waters Words. I've had enough of the media pointing fingers at Fox. I've had enough of the media acting like they saw the virus coming. And I've had enough of Democrats blaming Trump instead of China. They're not going to rewrite history on my watch. Liars and hypocrites are going to get called out. Let's start with MSNBC. Everybody saw this coming. Everybody saw this coming in early January. Who's everybody? It wasn't Morning Joe. You know how many segments Morning Joe did on coronavirus in January? One. And this is what their guest said. Americans do not need to panic. We don't need to be overly concerned yet in the United States about the novel coronavirus. We do need to keep our eyes open for the seasonal flu. So if everybody saw this coming in January, how did Morning Joe book the one guest who didn't? Huh. So narrative, fake news. Let's keep going. Impossible, right? Now, here's what I said in January on The Five. We covered the virus three days straight. China has been lying about this thing. They've had it over there for a year, Mm. and they haven't told anybody about it. And there's been undocumented deaths, a thousand undiagnosed people. And they've now, I guess, quarantined this one city, but people have already escaped the quarantine, and they have no idea where they're going. I think the Trump administration has a decision to make. I think out of the abundance of caution, maybe you slap the ban on now. I'm not afraid of this coronavirus at all. And I think other people, they have the right to be scared. That's their business. If they don't have a hold on this thing, you slap the travel ban on China both ways. That's right. I called for a full travel ban against China in January. And I called out China for lying about the virus. What was the media saying about Trump's ban? Politico said the travel ban could backfire. Coronavirus quarantine travel ban could backfire, experts fear. And that was February 4th because he placed the ban before the State of the Union. In New York Times, they said it was still safe to travel to China. (laughs) Unbelievable. So. So who says it's not travel travel to China February 5th? Attacking the president, being racist, of course. Pretty ridiculous. Here's what Bernie and Biden said about Trump's travel ban. A move all scientists now say saved millions of lives. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. Isn't it interesting that a president who has been demagoguing and demonizing immigrants, the first thing that he could think about is closing down uh, the, the border. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia, to, uh, and fear-mongering to lead the way instead of science. So they were dead wrong. But now they want to claim Trump didn't act quickly enough. We're not going to let him get away with that. In fact, the press asked the top two scientists on the task force if the federal government acted slowly. When you looked at the China data originally, you start thinking of this more like SARS than you do this kind of global pandemic. So I think the medical community made interpreted the Chinese data as that this was serious, but smaller 
than anyone expected because I think probably we were missing a significant amount of the data. In a perfect world, it would have been nice to know what was going on there. We didn't, but I believe, Jim, that we, we acted very, very early in that. Now, we did. The president actually did. He acted very, very early with that. He made sure that, uh, you know, he acted very, very early with that. So, as you can see, fake news in full swing, of course, telling us, you know, how bad he is, how, um, you know, racist he is, how, you know, the concern of, you know, this whole... um, How we should all just be in China. And remember, I played that sh- that clip of Pelosi in Chinatown saying, you should still go to festivals. You should all still act. Don't listen to Trump. He's just racist. Da, 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 da. But now it's like, I don't think he did the right job. Now we're seeing that in their little bill to help people, they snuck in what I think I was the only one probably talking about it. They snuck in this oversight committee to make sure that he did the right thing and protected the nation from coronavirus. Um, your words make any argument null and void because you have been attacking this man from day one. He shut down board because he didn't know what was going on. And like I've said, this is an infodemic more than a pandemic because every single nation right now has no idea what's going on except for a few partners in nine eyes that are sitting there and discussing ways to capitalize on it. And that should concern every single one of you listening to me out there. Um, my listeners down in Australia and New Zealand, I'm on it. I'm taking a look at what's going there. Um, it's just that, you know, if, if I talk about something, I want to make sure that I have something to talk about that isn't already there. Uh, for my European listeners, I know it's a struggle. I mean, you don't know what's up or down. I'll tell you what, guys. I was speaking with my mother, who's currently in Europe, and I was like, yo, the Secretary of State just put out an announcement you know, all U.S. citizens come back. I was like, call the embassy and see if they could get you out here. She was like, listen, man, you know, through my cancer therapy and whatnot, I just can't. I'm too weak to fly. I was like, they'll take care of you. And she's reluctant. So obviously, what I mean, I had to get my stubbornness from somewhere. Right. And, um, I was, I, I was telling her, you know, there's, we can find a way to get you here. She was just like, forget it. I'm fine here. She goes, but what is going on with this coronavirus? Because, There's people that are dying from strokes. There are people that are dying from heart attacks, car accidents, and and they're all labeling them coronavirus. And you have to think, why are they skewing the numbers? Like, what is the point? What do you win? Because there's got to be a prize. When you do something, it's because there's something you get out of it, right? So we all have to sit and think, like, what is the prize here for people saying that they died from coronavirus. What, fear to be able to promote the narrative that people are dying from coronavirus so people panic and just listen? Uh, what is the prize? I mean, I, as a business, a hospital business, a clinic business, oh, and mind you, uh, all these airlines that you book with, travel agents, hotels, um, 
uh, concerts that have been canceled because of coronavirus, label it as coronavirus. So you have to think, are insurance companies uh, going to be you know, tanked? They're going to be tanked. If everyone can claim coronavirus, tanked, completely tanked. So what's going on here? There's got to be an end prize for a reason. Now, for you know, the travel industry and the entertainment industry actually filing claims of coronavirus, that's a very big deal because these businesses make money on people traveling and people going out for entertainment and having, you know, concerts, uh, you know, get togethers, parties, nightclubs, bars. Well, nightclubs and bars don't have insurance, but there's uh, event insurance. So you have to think how many payouts are coming uh, through insurance. So another thing to look at, just saying, is that we should be taking a look at, like I said, what stocks our senators and Congress people, not directly, like I said, it's the wives, the husbands, and their LLCs were buying, but if they were dumping insurance. I know all of us are looking at dumping of stock that makes sense to go down, but look at the insurance stocks that they may have dropped prior to this. Because like I said, there were a lot of people that had coronavirus in the fall and uh, late fall slash winter December, like our very own Scott Adams from Red State. He had a cold that he could, he was dying, right? And it came in two waves. It came first and then it came again. And he's a pretty healthy dude. You know what I'm saying? And he got through it. So you have to wonder, like, what is really going on here? What is this coronavirus? I mean, all of them are coronavirus. So let's just call it the Kung flu to separate it from all the other ones like swine and and SARS and avian flu, all of these, because this is a SARS different version SARS, right? So these are the things that we should be... um, objectively taking a look at what's the end game? What do they win? Aside from putting us in panic and destroying the economy, what do they win? And that's something that I kind of want to give my little point of view. Um, so that way we could see and, and, and determine like, what's the, what's the end game here? If they're filing, it's tanking the insurance markets. People are freaking out. How does that help them if they freak out? I'll see you all in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So where were we? We were talking about what the end game is. And I think the best way to realize what the end game is is to listen to what leaders say. Now, for our president, he's been making it very, very clear what he knows is the end game. He's been making it very clear that he will not stand up for people trying to push forward on this end game, right? He's not. He's not allowing them. So then you have to wonder, what are other leaders saying? What are they telling their people about the end game? That's what you need to look at, what they're saying. So with no further ado, let's listen to what the Queen of England 
had to say about 19 hours ago, (laughs) 19 hours ago, uh, to the people of the United Kingdom in regards to coronavirus. Of us all. I'm sure the nation will join me in assuring you that what you do is appreciated and every hour of your hard work brings us closer to a return to more normal times. I also want to thank those of you who are staying at home, thereby helping to protect the vulnerable and sparing many families the pain already felt by those who have lost loved ones. Together we are tackling this disease, and I want to reassure you that if we remain united and resolute, then we will overcome it. I hope in the years to come, everyone will be able to take pride in how they responded to this challenge. And those who come after us will say the Britons of this generation were as strong as any, that the attributes of self-discipline, of quiet, good-humoured resolve, and of fellow feeling still characterise this country. The pride in who we are is not a part of our past, It defines our present and our future. The moments when the United Kingdom has come together to applaud its care and essential workers will be remembered as an expression of our national spirit. And its symbol will be the rainbows drawn by children. Across the Commonwealth and around the world, We have seen heartwarming stories of people coming together to help others, be it through delivering food parcels and medicines, checking on neighbours, or converting businesses to help the relief effort. And though self-isolating may at times be hard, many people of all faiths and of none are discovering that it presents an opportunity to slow down, pause and reflect, in prayer or meditation. It reminds me of the very first broadcast I made in 1940, helped by my sister. We as children spoke from here at Windsor to children who had been evacuated from their homes and sent away for their own safety. Today, once again, many will feel a painful sense of separation from their loved ones. But now as then, we know deep down that it is the right thing to do. While we have faced challenges before, this one is different. This time we join with all nations across the globe in a common endeavor, using the great advances of science and our instinctive compassion to heal. We will succeed And that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. But for now, I send my thanks and warmest good wishes to you all. 
Okay, that was the creepiest address ever. And the fact that she reminisced on the fact that children, when they were being pulled apart from their families for the World War, she was giving them comfort made me even more uncomfortable, okay? I, I don't know if I'm the only one, but that was the creepiest one. So what is this? What is this? We have the queen telling people that you're not allowed to leave your house to even, you know, go out into the yard and stretch your legs. People are getting Karens calling police on them for doing push-ups or working out in their front yard. You're not supposed to be outside. People are telling you, stay away, don't touch, six feet. Like, there's a sign literally in my elevator that says, please stand six feet apart from the person in the elevator. The elevator itself isn't even five feet wide. How are you going to do that? Uh, I actually took a tape measure with my daughter and I told her to stand in one corner to the other and that was like five feet, seven inches. So we can measure it. It's ridiculous. So social distancing. What does that mean? Is this virus maybe another like, you know, black plague riding on fleas thing? Are they going to say that? You know, because that's a theory that's going on. You know, you guys know that I talk with a lot of people in regards to things because the best way to come up with a solution is what? To have people from diverse backgrounds have conversations. And that's where you get these aha moments. That's where you kind of dwindle it down. But I'm going to take you back in time to the Obama era. No one asked questions as to why he bought mass coffins that were for mass graves with FEMA. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, that's something you should look into if you haven't, because now we have time. We're at home. Can't go out. And you know, a lot of people, I was speaking with family overseas and they were like, you know, Uh, people staying indoors, it's getting them depressed. And then when they come out, they'll just be like thankful for anything just to be able to take a walk. This is breaking you down mentally. It totally is. I mean, not for me. I'm the type of person that kind of likes to, you know, stay indoors, keep to myself. I mean, probably because of the line of work I did. My family was my treasure. That's all I relied on uh, is like my close circle of people. That's it. And I was happy with that. And obviously, I have even closer circles that are bigger, but I don't get to see them. It doesn't matter. There's a saying. (laughs) There's a Greek saying. I love these things. Um, To love from afar. It is the strongest bond. And a lot of people say long distance relationships don't work or whatever. They totally do. Because history has proven that um, throughout time. That communicating on a regular basis, even though you're not in proximity, creates a stronger bond than it does when you're face to face. This is why we have like all these people, you know, the catfishing. I don't know if you guys have ever watched any of those crass things. When I'm feeling trollish, I watch one of those, you know, where they're like, you know, this guy is pretending to be a girl and catfishing and having an actual affair online. And then after years, they like employ this camera crew to go track the person down turns out to be some dude living in his mom's basement, you know, that's not even gay. He's just, you know, he just loves the fantasy of pretending to be a chick and, you know, um, being, you know, supportive to this guy and actually enjoying the relationship, but that one. Anyway, because souls don't need contact to um, communicate. Uh, People around the world don't need physical contact to communicate. But we've been taught that the only time 
communication is effective is in person, which is not true. Okay. It's not true. So then if it's not true and all of us are now social distancing and we can't hang out with people, hug them, laugh with them, drink in a bar with them, dance, dance really bad with them, you know, drunk dance with them, trip over things with them, uh, you know, go out for a meal with them, you know, and not have to clean the dishes afterwards, you know, why are we finding it difficult? Because we've lost the ability to um, communicate. We have lost that community because uh, of the distraction of the social norms. You'll speak to someone completely different on the telephone or online that you would in person because you'd be worried about the social cues that you'll be picking up. You'll be worried about more of your appearance. Oh, darn it. Are my pants like dragging in the back? I got to lift them because my underwear might show. Or wait a minute, I can't eat this pizza and talk because I've got food all over my face and I look crazy. Or, you know, um, it's more about um, what etiquette rather than just raw conversation. So take this time to understand that communication is key, but it doesn't always necessarily... Um, involve all these social aspects and you'll be fine when they open up the doors and let you out Uh, because then you'll appreciate more what you have to say than what you have to portray. Does that make sense? I hope it does Um, because I find that very important. Maybe probably because of my career that was so, uh, you know, cloak and dagger that, you know, I couldn't create close proximity relationships, but I've fostered relationships that are over 30 years, you know, and I meet them for virtual dinners. Uh, literally, uh, when friends will get together and they'll go out, they'll Skype me in and, you know, I'm on the other side of the pond and, you know, we'll talk my friends that are now stationed in Korea, in, you know, Guam, uh, in Japan, you know, we have coffee dates, uh, because this is how you keep communication just by like talking and communicating and isolation isn't a big thing because we've isolated ourselves the minute we've created our individual selves remember your boundaries are defined by yourself so if your finger ends at like you know your index finger ends at like four inches it's because you've defined it uh it's not been defined for you if you're sick it's because you've accepted that illness not because it was superimposed on you i know it sounds really out there, but it is actual fact because you are the commander of all the cells in your body. But the thing is, in your reality, you can't fathom the idea of being able to alter it, right? Okay. So this is science. This isn't like fruity new age stuff. This is actual science. If you're commanding all these cells to work together with just a thought, I'm going to raise my hand or even not even a conscious thought, I'm going to raise my hand and you raise it. It's because you are the commander of your own conglomerate of cells, so you own it. But I digress. This isn't supposed to be a fruity side conversation, but an actual conversation people should have with themselves when they are alone and contemplating just in general stuff. Now, today we had some really weird announcement, but before we get to that really weird announcement, I'm going to play a propaganda video of this really weird announcement. So I want you to take a listen to this really bad Russian accent. Hold on. It's a Russian accent. I want you to listen to this. Who 
Who are we? We are truly Russian people, truly representatives of our nation created by God. Fidelity to Jesus Christ, this is what makes the Russian people Russian. And we have already proved, and moreover, we continue to prove our fidelity at the cost of blood. Looking back at our history, we understand how high the price of error can be. Outside of Christianity, there is no Russian nation. Without Christ, Russia has no future. But isn't time for other nations of Europe to turn to their roots and also to find oneself? Churches of Europe are empty. Families are being destroyed. The commandments of God are trampled upon, and the warriors and heroes who have always been many of your ancestors are replaced by foreigners and perverts. Why is this happening? The answer is obvious. Refusing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Europe is losing its power. Christian faith is the source of our power. What has created Europe in all its greatness and what can save it again? The Russian imperial movement is a reliable lie because we know what it means to fight under the banner of Christ. We know how to shed blood in the struggle for our nation and how to stand against the evil. The Lord Jesus Christ is our strength. Christianity is our weapon. God with us and therefore we will win. So this is an actual international project for a an organization called the Russian Imperial Movement. And just earlier this morning, about half an hour ago, this announcement was made. Today, the State Department is designating the Russian Imperial Movement, also known as RIM, as a specially designated global terrorist, or SDGT. We're also designating three of RIM's leaders, Stanislav Anatolievich Vorobiev, Denis Valyalovich Garyev, and Nikolai Nikolaevich Trushalov. These designations are unprecedented. This is the first time the United States has ever designated white supremacist terrorists, illustrating how seriously this administration takes the threat. We are taking actions no previous administration has ever taken to counter this threat overseas. RIM is a terrorist group that provides para paramilitary-style training to neo-Nazis and white supremacists, and it plays a prominent role in trying to rally like-minded Europeans and Americans into a common front against their perceived enemies. RIM has two training facilities in St. Petersburg, which likely are being used for woodland and urban assault, tactical weapons, and hand-to-hand -hand combat training. This group has innocent blood on its hands. In August of 2016, two Swedish men traveled to St. Petersburg and underwent 11 days of paramilitary-style training provided by RIM. A few months later, these men and another person conducted a series of terrorist attacks in the Swedish city of Gothenburg. In November of 2016, they detonated a bomb outside a cafe. Two months later, they bombed a migrant center, gravely injuring one person. And three weeks after that, they placed another bomb at a campsite used to house refugees. Thankfully, that device failed to detonate. Swedish authorities were able to arrest the attackers, and they've now been tried and convicted for their crimes. 
The prosecutor who handled their case blamed Rim for radicalizing them and for providing them the training that enabled the attacks. These historic designations are just one part of the Trump administration's broader efforts to, count, to counter white, white supremacist terrorism abroad. We're bringing all of our counterterrorism tools to this fight, information sharing, counter messaging, combating terrorist travel, engaging with tech companies, and building partner capacity to protect soft targets like synagogues and mosques. Today's actions are possible because of an order President Trump signed in September of last year, the most significant expansion of federal terrorism sanctions authorities since the aftermath of 9-11. Thanks to this order, the State Department now has the authority to designate groups and individuals that participate in training to commit acts of terrorism. We can also designate the leaders of terrorist groups without needing to show that they were involved in particular attacks. And let me be clear, today's designations send an unmistakable message that the United States will not hesitate to use our sanctions authorities aggressively and that we were prepared to target any foreign terrorist group, regardless of ideology that threatens our citizens, our interests abroad, or our allies. Thank you. And that was it. No questions, no nothing. So you heard their propaganda video and now you heard this. So this is where you kind of take a sit, sit down and say, all right, well, okay. The, I, during the video, I heard families are being destroyed and they were showing LGBTQ parades and, and such, you know, taking them away from what it is and they're like but instead they're pushing these ideologies of black lives matter movements and they showed like a black lives matters banner and arabs you know and they showed the jihadis with the isis flag now that's a racist type comment though this has been translated which is not something Every single American that's conservative, I've heard Rush Limbaugh talk about it. I've heard Mark Levin talk about it. I've heard senators and congressmen talk about it, which is the breaking down of family. Um, now, it's not because of the LGBTQ. They've existed forever. I mean, if you look at ancient history, there's paintings of men with men, orgies, you know, women with women. So it's not like this is something new. And it's more so the ideology that you don't need a family because a family unit is imperative, regardless if you, if you think it's not, it is imperative because that's the way nature intended it to. But by no means or any way can a lesbian, a gay man, you know, or someone that's kind of in between, you know, <laughs> cause damage to the civilization unless the ideology behind pushing such a narrative, which is, you know, it's not like now that LGBTQ is acceptable or to identify as acceptable has changed society. It's still the same 1% of any population. It's been like that for thousands of years. So what is it? It's the ideology of pushing these, you, you, don't, you don't have a gender, uh, you don't need a father in the house. You don't need a mother in the house. You don't need this. You don't need, they're t chipping away from solid, you know, foundations that have been the norm for eons by pushing ideology. So it's by no way, for me, I guess maybe because I see it like this, I didn't see it as something, you know, racist. I saw it as a chipping away. But again, here's the problem. You don't know how crazy someone else is. 
So when you make statements or say something, it can be taken out of control. Kind of like the way I was like shocked to see all this groper stuff going on. You know, you say something wrong once they've labeled you forever. And the thing is, is because people are so sensitive and so nuts that these Swedish people went to train with them. And I'm not saying they're not racist and I'm not saying they're not terrorists because, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not my spiel. I'm not on the Russian desk. But what I can say is these two Swedes went and started to attack and create the environment of these attacks. And it was only through taking them to court that they're like, yep, RIM is responsible because they train them. So they're terrorists because of ideologies. Okay. Well, what about Antifa? Let's take it down there. What about Antifa? Because we're coming down hard, right? On these foreign organ. What about Antifa? That is promoting the same thing, only this time it's not targeting Arabs, you know, Black Lives Matter and the LGBTQ, but they're attacking everybody that doesn't say what they want. They're attacking people based on color. They're attacking people based on class. They're here in our borders. Why haven't they been designated? Oh, gosh. Does this have to do with coronavirus? One million percent you watch. Why? ideologies, 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 ideologies. YouTube is now going to be taking down or removing from a conversation I had earlier today with another reporter. They're going to be demonetizing and removing any videos that talk about coronavirus relationship with 5G. Just letting you know. So, because they don't want liability because crazy people are going out and attacking, you know, antennas. So now if you did a video about coronavirus and 5G, they, under this scope, can designate that you're a terrorist because you promoted people blowing up antennas. And then I thought to myself, in fair argument, well, what does YouTube care? At the end of the day, YouTube can't be held responsible for it. Why? Because they're not a publisher unless... They are. I'll see you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, White House Tory. officials saying oh, some of the... And I was just going to start it off with a clip, but I thought that I'd just continue on what we said in the first hour. Okay, guys? And that is ideologies and thought control are the most important weapon that someone can deploy. This is what we have been seeing they have been controlling how we think, how we respond, how we act, how we walk, how we talk, what we're allowed to say and what we aren't to the point now that we're appeasing a lot and catering a lot. Uh, this political correctness has gone way too overboard and needs to cease. This is how you control a mass population thought 
you think differently, you speak differently, immediately you are classified as something. And that's what the problem is. That is a massive problem. And the attacks are going both ways to what one might call a minority, to what one might call a majority. Uh, There is none. It's 2020. Nobody cares. They're keeping us segregated in thought and actions such as designating terrorist groups ah, have underlying reasons. Let's keep that in mind. Underlying reasons. And these underlying reasons, you know, the majority is not privy to and we just accept. Now, going forward, I wanted to play this new clip that just came out from Fox where uh, the White House actually uh, said that they expect a coronavirus peak within days in the hardest hitting cities. Not only that, you want to hear something super bizarre? Okay. The most bizarre thing that I saw was that now uh, Governor Cuomo is thinking of using parks as mass burial sites. What? I'm sorry. I'm not understanding. What? How did this happen? Why are we having these discussions? Why is this even being mentioned? I mean... Burial sites, mass graves, Uh, you mean like the ones that we saw in the picture in Iran? You mean like the ones that are going to be going down in the UK soon? Is that what we're talking about? What, What are we talking about? Now, Brian Stetler actually announced that CBS, ABC, and NBC, which are all fake news, have decided to come together and air One world together at home on Saturday, April 18th. Didn't I say April 19th is... April 18th is the day prior to the resurrection of Christ under my religion. Colbert, Kimmel, and Fallon will co-host, and it'll broadcast in more than a dozen cable channels, radio, YouTube, etc. Guess what? I'm not watching. And the one thing all of us could do is retweet, I will not watch. And none of us should, because you know what? Let their numbers topple, and then we can put it together. Because right now what we're seeing is, is that they are hosting COVID-19 relief concerts. These clowns that are supposed to be social distancing are not, and they're coming together for a virtual benefit, you know, that's going to be happening. (laughs) You guys, they need money. They're out of source. They are freaking out. And now they're going to fleece every single idiot that's going to watch them. So this is what should be trending. I will not watch. I will not watch fake news. Because they are the ones that, you know, uh, told us that, you know, our president has done nothing to fix this. They have been lying to us. They will not air things. They are liars. I will not watch. That is what we should get trending because we should not be watching them, especially when they're raising money for who? To get vaccines? You could take the vaccine and put it where the sun don't shine because there's no way I'm getting a vaccine for, you know, alternate reasons other than inoculation. You cannot inoculate against the virus. It's impossible to inoculate against the virus. 
period, end of story. And the fact that they're using fetal cells in order to produce this, or maybe they'll use bat cells or maybe mosquito cells. Oh, you think that's not happening? Wait till we get to that. Because with Bill Gates, I've been doing some really, 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 really in-depth research in manipulating organisms, kind of like genetically modified food. (laughs) Now we have genetically modified organisms. He wanted to create a mosquito that was an antivirus mosquito for malaria. So what? We're just going to introduce a new type of organism? That, That doesn't sound crazy and scary at all. Sounds like the worst idea ever because you take anything, anything from its natural habitat and place it to another one, that will cause issues. Imagine manufacturing an organism that you can't really manufacture because we do not understand epigenetics yet. Oh, let's try it. No, you could go try it in your own house. By the way, why doesn't Bill Gates vaccinate his own kids? Oh, nothing to see here. Anyway, let's play this clip because this is quite telling. And it's not wanting to work with me right now. Really? Are you kidding? Mm, There we go. Saying some of the hardest hit cities, including New York, Detroit, and New Orleans, could see infections peak in the coming days. Right now, there are nearly 338,000 coronavirus cases in the U.S. with at least 9,600 deaths as the president and the White House warn the week ahead could be devastating. This is going to be the hardest and the saddest week of most Americans' lives, quite frankly. This is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment. Uh, I will not say we have it under control, Margaret. That would be a false statement. We are struggling to get it under control. And that's the issue that's at hand right now. This will be probably the toughest week between this week and next week. And there'll be a lot of death, unfortunately. This is Outnumbered, and I'm Melissa Francis. Here today is Harris Faulkner, host of Kennedy on Fox Business. Kennedy is back with us. Welcome, my friend. Attorney and Fox News contributor Emily Campagno is joining us as well. And Dr. Marty McCary, physician and professor at Johns Hopkins University and a Fox News contributor. And he is Outnumbered. Dr. McCary, let me start with you. Where do you think we are in this? Do you see any glimmers of hope? I do, but I would caution against people over-interpreting one number looking better over the course of one or two days. We saw this in Italy when we got excited that their numbers had gone down from, say, 500 to 430. And it turns out that the numbers are best looked at as a three-day moving average. So I wouldn't over-interpret things. I think sheltering is working. I think we're not seeing the massive spike that was possible but I would just uh, brace for the next two weeks to be a rough period, not just the next week. Kennedy, your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that uh, the, the spike that Dr. McCary is referring to has not happened, but I, I agree, we shouldn't be falsely confident. And you, you have to find uh, the joy in the little things that being quarantined has shown us and you know we we have to follow all of this information he's absolutely right you can't just abstract one number 
and take that as a sign that everything is fine or another number and uh, use that as a hysterical point to fear that you're going to be stuck inside forever. We will come through this at some point and a little bit of good news is going to go a long way, but we should still uh, mm. snuggle up as though there's a storm upon us. Yeah, Emily, I mean, it's going to be increasingly difficult, I think, as time goes on, as different parts of this nation are in different parts of this crisis. You know, for some states, it hasn't really hit them very hard yet. Places like New York, you know, maybe we've seen an apex or we're getting close to it or, or whatever the numbers will show us. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to get worse in other parts of the country as we recover. What are your thoughts? Exactly. For example, Washington, D.C. predicts its peak will come in June or July. So that's why I think for all of us sheltering in place at home, it's important to view this sort of as a marathon, right? Not a sprint. And while we see certain hot zone major cities experience potentially the apex or the ramp up to the apex right now, there are other major cities that are frankly months behind. And so it's important for all of us, I think, as Kennedy said, to snuggle up and, and stay comfortable at home, but really to appreciate the fact that this is not going to resolve itself in the next week or two, that contrary to many of our news cycles or national conversations that last sometimes just two or three days, this is really a months-long process. And the best thing that we can do for all of us is to stay home in the interim while obviously um, ramping up support for the medical communities in the different surging cities. And Harris, I would ask for your thoughts. And also, I may be the only one. I'm not hearing Dr. McCary. I'm sorry to air our business here out on the air, but go ahead and, and your thoughts on this. And maybe you have a question for him. Actually, I just have a question for him. And I want to take the conversation a little forward uh, as we await the governor of New York to join us. I wonder if he'll even touch on this. So part of going forward with an apex, as I understand it, Dr. McCary, is not just about the, the number of cases and the number of deaths that break us, you know, that break our hearts every day, but also the number of recoveries. And that's particularly interesting to me today from what I'm reading, that there is this push now, a blood drive to try to find uh, plasma donors, if you will, so that we can look at their blood as a possible answer for treating and, and, you know, supportive care for some of the people who are really suffering the most among us with COVID-19. What is your thought on the survivors of this and how they play a role? You know, Harris, survivors of any infectious diseases have long been an important piece of cracking the code on how to get beyond an infection. We saw it with HIV. We've seen it with other infections. And 99% of people recover from COVID-19 infection. That means there's going to be a lot of discharges, a lot of recoveries. And those people have mm -hmm. antibodies. Those antibodies are already being extracted at hospitals like my own and other places. So not just can those antibodies be used, but they can be duplicated in a laboratory to try to come up with a good therapeutic. Okay, so all of them are talking together. Let me tell you something about science, because it is my domain. When you want to um, conduct an experiment, the more pool of, how should I put this without, um, so I was, I was sitting on, okay, fun story. So I was assigned to look and, uh, you know, and we put this out on Colorado. That was actually one of the first presentations I had, which was 
identifying patients with um, hemoptysis and correlating that to uh, looking at their scans and identifying calcification of the abdominal artery, uh, you know, that's being missed on those scans that could have helped, you know, find other, um, you know, the causes of their disease earlier that was missed on abdominal scans. So when you look at an abdominal scan, you're looking at abdominal stuff. No one actually looks at the top end of the scan where you might see calcification. That was the idea. So in order to get this research done and correlated, I look through tons and tons of CT scans, tons of them. And I had a label which ones blindly had calcifications and which ones didn't. I didn't know the outcome of the patient. They were only numbered. I didn't know who the patient was. But then those numbers would be correlated to some disease they had. And it seemed that we miss a lot. But in order for this experiment or this idea to be put forward, I'm telling you, I had plowed through within maybe a six-month period, spending maybe two hours a day on MI view, uh, looking at CT scans uh, for this radiologist, um, <laughs> you know, constantly. Uh, I had maybe gone through half a million and this is from a database that the government has from all your abdominal scans. It could have been even mine or my family members or my friends. I wouldn't know because they conceal the identity of the person that we're looking at with numbers. So I had to have half a million and then I had to then correlate what diseases they had on a plot graph. Not only that, then we took it to another level to see their serology or any blood work they did. So that way we could see people that had this and were asymptomatic or never died or never had any disease, what that meant or how their body responded. I'm just saying. So, you know, right now they seem really, really interested in getting our blood samples, no matter who we are, sick or not, to be able to find a mitigating factor <clears throat> if one of them were to get sick. And the reason I say this is this could be a deployment to see if this biological weapon, this bioweapon that's specific to your enemy's DNA, if you can save yourself. I mean, could have they been that naive and stupid to release something hoping that they can learn from it and safeguard themselves because they are safeguarding themselves? Mm, maybe. I mean, if you have the whole world... Um, as your, you know, pool of infectees and you can evaluate, you can come to an answer a lot quicker because correlations will pop up. You'll see, you know, a million people that had, you know, COVID were also people that had, you know, heavy iron issues or people that had COVID and survived, uh, you know, they had a uh, blood type. Oh, you know, because now we know that O blood types are less susceptible. And I said it. What is the majority of the blood type in Oriental nations? I said it, but okay. These are all correlating. Uh, these are all factors that when you correlate, give you a more solid picture. So for me, that's really concerning this increase in demand for um, more data. Uh, and a lot of people might say, well, we can contribute this data to help uh, those that are infected. No, like President Trump said, even HIV will be eradicated because turns out HIV 
is almost identical <laughs> to the coronavirus. So we all may just be infected and we may all just have the cures for every single virus, which means the pharmaceutical industry is getting hit real hard right now um, if we understand how to deal with it. Now, huh. so that's the one flag for me that concerns me is this demand for data. The other one is Fauci's statements on how we shouldn't relax when the numbers go to zero because they're going to pop up. And of course, when the weather gets cold again and people are congregating in smaller closed spaces, uh, you know, you will see this. That's when we have all these gatherings. We've got, you know, Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas, right? We're all getting together and then everybody exchanges whatever they've got. And then boom, in January, the flu starts to hit. This is why flu season begins in January, peaks at the end of February and dies out at the end of March. But for some reason, this virus is going to peak now, which is... <laughs> again, reinforces the idea that this was a deployment, not a naturally, organically growing type thing. And as we've said before, this COVID-19 has been in China since last fall when people got vaccinated. So <laughs> data, data, data. And now we've got this other thing, which is they're promoting the fact that if you want to get back out into society, we need to test that you're immune and we need to make sure you're vaccinated so you don't give it to someone. So suppress your system to ensure you don't spread it because you're a carrier, even though you don't even know how it's transferred yet. It could be through the food. It could be through the water. It could be through chemtrails. It could be through person-to-person contact. It could be through fleas and ticks and mosquitoes and roaches and rats and cats and bats and dogs. I mean, now a tiger got it. Was it a tiger that got it? The Bronx Zoo? I mean, come on. And someone was like, oh, that's the first animal that got it. Actually, no, a canine did. So you have to think, if this biological weapon was deployed, who was the enemy that they were targeting? That's a question we should all be asking. If a biological weapon is deployed, it's got to have a specific enemy. It can't just be every single person on the planet. Who is the enemy that was being targeted? Because this obviously was the deployment of a bioweapon. So who was the enemy? That's the question we should all ask. And I wanted to make note that yesterday's speech, um, Burks actually was wearing a scarf, but she was wearing it over her left shoulder. That, I can tell you, is a sign that was used back in the ancient times to show when they have lost, when they have been captured by the enemy. So for her to wear it like that, I mean, you know, she's the scarf lady she not only wore it on her on her left shoulder, but that was the way the royals would explain when they were hostage or taken by the enemy. So is she throwing in the towel? Was that her signal? I don't know. Uh, that's something that um, you know should be answered. Take a listen to this portion of the speech yesterday. Hundred thousand to two hundred forty thousand potential death um, figures that you gave us last week. So I'm wondering, with all the caveats that um, this is sort of based on 
continuing social distancing and that we might see, you know, if one city pops, things could change dramatically. What what are the, the sort of range that you're now looking at in terms of uh, total death impact? I think the most important thing right now is when we were talking about why we are hopeful. Well, hopeful because last time I was here, I wasn't able to really tell you that Italy and Spain were coming across their apex and coming down the other side. And I think to me, that's extraordinarily hopeful. They just completed, completed four weeks of really strong mitigation. And I think that's our word to the American people is we can look like that. Two other countries look like that now. Two other countries with a very similar experience to, uh, to our experience with high ca higher case numbers and higher mortality. So that's what the promise is. The promise is if we do this, we could potentially be better. Now, Dr. Fauci and I today got another um, update from another independent modeler and the numbers came in close to that 100,000 number again. But we believe, Dr. Fauci and I, that if every American follows the guidelines, six feet, washing hands, not social gathering, um, that will have an even greater impact. And the other side of the equation certainly is our remarkable healthcare providers, our respiratory therapists, our laboratory technicians, our nurses and doctors. They're saving lives every day. And so that changes the number too. Yeah, but doctors and nurses don't know what the heck is going on. A lot of them are lost. CBS actually put out a video yesterday. I want you guys to listen to it, and then I'll tell you about it. Take a listen. America is not prepared, and nurses are not being protected. What they're showing is this girl crying, saying she's a nurse and that she had to make a difficult decision in order to protect herself and her family members from existing medical conditions. Take a listen. I quit my job today. I wanted to work and I was assigned to a COVID patient on an ICU unit that has been converted to a designated COVID unit. None of the nurses are wearing masks, not even surgical masks in the hallways when they're giving report to each other. I had my own N95 mask. I told my manager, I understand we're short on supplies, but let me protect myself. Let me feel safe. I have family that I have to come home to and the way things are looking, this isn't gonna get any better. America is not prepared. So this was actually aired. That video just on Twitter has over 5 million views. Yet here's the thing. Masks, when they're worn, are to protect the person that's sick from giving sick to the next person, first of all. <clears throat> Second, this nurse specifically on her own had posted how she quit her job as a nurse because she was bipolar and depressed and all these things. And so nobody actually looked into it. They just took it and ran with it. I have a lot of friends, obviously, that I went to medical school with um, uh, that are nurses, pharmacists, hospitalists, hospital pharmacists. You know, they really don't know what's going on. The one thing I can tell you is that L.A. and New York, though, now have implemented a new procedure. When someone comes into the hospital, they start asking them basic 
basic questions, right? Like, why are you here? How are you here? But then they get to the nitty gritty when they admit you. And here's the questions that they start asking. In the case that you need to be intubated, who can we call to make decisions for you? Patient says, well, I'm not sick. Like, why would you put a tube in me? They will say, well, we're not saying we are, but if you're positive for coronavirus, you might need to be on the tube. Well, I don't want to be intubated for a long time. How will I eat? We will feed you through a tube too. Well, okay, then what is going to, well, here's how it's going to work. We're going to have you on the tube and hopefully you'll get better. And if you don't, you know, you may die from this. A lot of people are dying from this. And he's like, but I don't have a problem with my breathing. I'm here for, you know, X, Y, Z reason. Yeah, well, we're testing you for coronavirus. And if you have it, but I don't want to be on the tube for so long. Well, you know, if we take you off the tube, you're going to die. But I don't have coronavirus. These are conversations that are happening across the nation right now in hospitals. I would rather die than go to a hospital at home rather than go to a hospital and be infected. Infected how? Told you about the tainted tests. Told you about how they're mislabeling people as coronavirus deaths. And then again, what is the end game? Look, right now we're having a short-term disruption in our markets, in our money. But this will eventually lead to another better America. The the yesterday we had is not going to look like the tomorrow. It is not even going to remotely look like the tomorrow. Because things have changed. People went there. They took it there. And I'm really glad we have one of the most amazing and stable geniuses on the planet right now in our captain's chair. Why? Because it seems like everyone is trying to grab something, either that be a liberty of yours, either that be thought processes, either that be your own life. And it is very, it is a very scary time, but I'm sure that coming out on the other end, it'll be just fine. Even though we have Governor Cuomo this morning scaring the living daylights out of New York City. New York City healthcare system, says Mark Levine, is being pushed to the limit. Excuse me. The hospitals are dead. And he says, and sadly now, it's the city's system for managing our dead, and it too needs more resources. This has big implications for grieving families and all of us. New York City's morgue is the office of the chief medical examiner, which is luckily the best in the world. Stop right there. I'm going to tell you the future right now, and all of you are probably understanding this too. Typical hospital morgue might hold 15 bodies. He says, those are full. I send out 80 refrigerated trailers to hospital. Each trailer can only hold 100 bodies. These are also mostly full. Now, we have people all over New York right now taping and taping and taping, and no one's seeing it. Grieving families report calling as many as half a dozen funeral homes and finding that none can handle their deceased loved one. Mind you, one of those deceased loved ones was the president of the Greater New York Hospital Association. That wasn't even reported. That's really bizarre. So... Now they're moving along to saying, we don't have any room for them. We don't have any fridges for them. So what we're going to do is we'll soon start temporary intermittent. 
This likely will be done by using New York City parks for burials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trenches will be dug for 10 caskets in a line. It'll be done in a dignified, orderly, and temporary manner. But it will be tough for New Yorkers to take. Do you know why? Because now they're not going to bury them. They're going to tell you, oh, you don't want them in the park. We don't want them. Okay, so let's burn them. Are you getting to the point where I'm at right now? So let's burn them. Sounds pretty mm, dystopian to me. Let's burn them because we don't have anywhere to put them. Let's burn them because what if someone checks that they're not really dying from coronavirus? So, I mean, again, just remind everyone the way um, RNA or DNA viruses, the caspid of it in general, to be able to replicate attaches to human cells to inject the RNA or DNA that hijacks the machinery of the cells. This one is RNA, right? And that allows any virus to replicate. It doesn't even need anything, you know, to replicate. It simply injects the code and hijacks your own cells machinery. Now, A virus does not need an external source. I'm going to say this. A virus does not need an external source to be activated or to kick off machinery. So in relations to 5G, I'm just going to say it shouldn't be deployed because it's shortwave radiation. What does that mean? I'm not saying that it's making the virus. I'm saying that it's making people susceptible to it considering the radiation levels because it's a shortwave. And if those are really um, the underlying concerns we have, hmm, here is something that's going to pretty much alarm you because someone just, just retweeted this. This is a guy getting caught. Um, at a school while the kids are out having data communications and security installation vans around them in our children's schools. I want you to take a listen to this. Everyone, so this one really puts the nail in the coffin. All right, these cops are acting weird. How's it going? Question for you. Why are you writing my license plate down? Any other questions you got? No, I want to know why you're writing my license plate down. Okay. Thanks for your question. And why you're all standing around here. Why are the cops here okay. at the school? What are you guys installing? Any other questions? No, you want to answer okay. any of them? No, nope, I don't. Why? Because I don't have to. I don't want to. Why are there three cops here that aren't even in what are you cop doing over clothes? There? I'm trying to figure are you out going what... to church? I'm trying to figure out what everybody's doing at these schools. Are you on private property there? Why are you parked in there? That's a real deflective question. It really is. Why can't you answer any of mine? I don't want to. Because you're up Why to no good, Why don't you answer my you? question? Are you trying to kill my kids? I'm trying to kill your kids? Yeah, what are you guys doing You got doing some here? identification on you? I don't think that I matters. I think we need to call some law enforcement over here. I think you're we have so. I haven't done anything wrong. I have rights. You're coming over here asking weird questions. Weird questions yeah, weird that you questions. won't answer. You think people are trying to kill you No, I family. don't. <laughs> I'm questioning if you guys are installing 5G in this school. Because I have it on a good source that you are. And will you answer that question? Nope, I won't. You won't answer? Nope. Okay. I'll make sure to share this record with you. You go do that. Thank you. I got your plate. (laughs) 
Is that a is that a threat? You have my plates? I got your plates. So you're what? Gonna show up at my house and do something? I'm not afraid of you, man. And you think you're recording and you think that's that's appropriate? Why are you recording them? Because it's suspicious. Because it's suspicious. Alright? You think people are trying to kill you? I think I think that you guys are installing 5G and it's very dangerous. Okay. And you guys are told to, to lie about it. Stop recording me. You don't have my permission to record me. Okay, this is a free Stop country. Recording. Goodbye. Stop recording. I don't think so. So that was a little bit over the top. Um, was it, you know, that they were installing 5G? We see videos like that all over the globe. But we're t- going to talk about that on Wednesday. Suspicious behavior, a lot of pipelines. I noticed something that when the lockdown before it happened, that there was a lot of digging for gas and electric uh, in the city. Now, where I'm at, it was just redone for um, you know a really big event that held the president. So it has already been laid out. But around the state right now, there's a lot of infrastructure being done. And that's fine. I mean, that's the best... Let's be honest, okay? Just just so you know. Don't find all of it suspicious because now that people are off the roads, we can fix the roads. Now that people are off the sidewalks, we can fix the sidewalks. So this is an opportune time with few people out on the street to actually make repairs and rebuild that infrastructure. So it could just be that. Now, was this video legitly uh, of concern? You know, should we be concerned? I don't know. I think the more concern we should have is New York saying that they're going to fill up Central Park and all the New York parks with dead bodies. That's something that we should be concerned about. That is something we should be. Another thing we should be concerned about is about this nurse that came out and said all these things when she herself written, I suffer from anxiety and bipolar depression and I was feeling a heavy toll with transitioning back to the ICU after being away from the bedside for over a year. I'm now feeling already defeated before walking onto the battlefield. I know it isn't the right mindset, but I'm just sharing my raw emotions and thoughts with you all right now. I'm hoping to have a change of morale soon. This is the nurse that they put on there. This person, you know, cannot be vetted. She's not stable. You know, she's obviously, you know, struggling with whatever it is. And may God give her help. But, you know, the fact that we have the media and then Bernie Sanders just jumped on it. They let him they let him jump on it, saying that nurses are forced to care for sick without masks. Let me tell you something. Uh, when I was going into a patient's room that had C. diff, which is something, you know, th- that they poop out, okay? <laughs> and let me tell if someone's going to say, what does C. diff smell like? <laughs> You'll know when you smell it. But um, we always wore gowns. Uh, there was never an issue of safety. And in light of this, I'm calling BS. There's no one there that doesn't wear a mask. We get fitted you know, every, I, I think it's like every six months for those that are in like, you know, more contagious units um, of internal medicine that deal with contagious diseases, et cetera. And every year for every other hospital employee, just like they test you for TB every year and you get fitted for your N95 mask. I remember when I was fitted for mine and it was like the first time, right? And it was like, it was bizarre. It was like, just give me a mask. Who cares? But apparently you have to be fitted and then you have to pass the test that you can breathe with the fitted mask. 
it was so bizarre. Anyway, and I and I had to do it. I think every six months because not only as a student, part of the College of Medicine, but I also worked as well in the hospital in the ICU slash telemetry area. So I had to do it for there too. Uh, even though it's the same hospital, for some reason I had to do it twice. And it was a really and, and so it strikes me bizarre when people say that they they don't have protective gear. Um, you know, I call BS on that right away. So. What's going on? What's going to happen this week? Well, it's going to be a very painful week for many people. Uh, We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, as the president said, which is uh, pretty interesting. And we're seeing a lot of people getting coronavirus. I mean, Boris, um, the prime minister of the UK, Boris, is uh, currently in the hospital. Um, I pray for him because, you know, he was one of the first people to you know, not criticize President Trump for the Insta ban. And he was also the prime minister who last spring said that he wanted to get rid of Huawei and not work with China. Uh, But, you know, China, the coronavirus, now they're telling you not to look at it. So it's really important that all of us stay focused and see the little details of what's happening and what our president is saying. I think today's press conference this evening will tell us a lot more about the path and what our president is doing. Um, the fact that New York has amplified the terror by claiming that they're going to be digging trenches in a park to bury bodies is unacceptable. Like, why would this happen? Why would it be done? Why are they saying the chair of the New York City Council's health committee, Levine, said that they're going to be digging trenches in an epidemic or a pandemic of an infectious disease or virus? You do not bury the bodies, you burn them. So this is the prelude of people being outraged, having them in the parks where it will allow them free reign of claiming, well, we need to burn the body because coronavirus. And I think I kind of told you that when I made light of the situation saying that this coronavirus was deployed and it should have been their successful plan if they had successfully impeached the president of the United States, where it would have rounded up a lot of dissidents like myself into gulags claiming coronavirus and burning the bodies so they cannot confirm themselves. This is something that we're seeing. We're seeing hoarding of equipment. We're seeing a really ugly side of people that are panicking. And that's exactly what they want you to do is panic. You know, uh, CNBC and ABC News who are supposedly creating this event. And I urge every single one of my listeners, don't watch it live. Wait for it to finish and then go back so they have no points. No metrics. So we can answer to them and say, we don't like your fake news. CNBC had put a title on March 6th saying, people are stealing masks and other medical equipment from hospitals, said Cuomo. ABC News said Cuomo in New York hospital rejects Trump's claims about masks going out the back door. Fake news because they were. And no one asked themselves, you know, Why does Twitter have billions of masks? Why does Facebook have so many masks? Where'd they get them from? And are they coming up with it, you know, in order to, um, you know, push the narrative? 
the media is dying right now. They're on life support, and it's time for us to push them over the edge by refusing to watch their stupid live raisathon. Let me tell you something. Do you want to help out this coronavirus epidemic? Then help your neighbor, help your friend, help them. Go down to your neighbor and drop something off at their door. That's what you do. You know someone that may be struggling financially, send them 20 bucks, whatever. That's how you deal with, you don't give money to Kimmel and all these clowns because they're going to need to process it and pay the person that's analyzing the payments and then pay this and the processing fees and, 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 and then they'll decide to dump the money where they want. Why are they doing this? Because we're taking the $5 million back. Well, the 25 million from the Kennedy center This is why they need to do it. This is a military operation that we are seeing right now being executed by the U S government against a, I would like to say a mercenary type operation because it seems as if no matter how much progress we're doing and how much we're pushing forward for, uh, you know, change for, um, transparency for honesty within our nation and amongst our governments, the more we're getting pushback with all of these, um, odd things. I mean, It's so weird, okay, that this virus is global and almost every single nation on the planet has been infected by it. Just so you know, there's 181 written languages across the planet that are still alive today, right, that are being used. So think of it this way. New York City has a very dense population, right? So does you know, so is LA, so is New Jersey, but New York City the most, because in Manhattan, it's an island that you could walk from, from, from east to, from, from west to east, you can walk in like, you know, 30 minutes. And, and that's like, you know, taking, yeah, that's at New York pace. From north to south, it'll take you a couple of hours, depending on the speed that you walk. I mean, I remember when I did it, it took me something like, um, three hours, but that's because, you know, traffic lights, traffic of people, whatever. It is so dense. Yet I've been to India where I've been to places like Delhi, right? Um, and, uh, <laughs> there people rent sidewalk to sleep on. That's how dense the population is. And yet their coronavirus numbers aren't as high. So you have to think like, Something is definitely off. If you think that, you know, we've got places in India that are more jam-packed, like with, you know, like, for example, did you know that, um, oh, Philippines. Ah, there we go. Let's go to Manila. They've got 1.7, 1.8, around 1.8 million in 38.55 square kilometers. So that's in a, in an area of 14.88 square miles, you've got almost 1.8 million people, right? In density. We don't even have that density in the United States uh, at all. And New York is less, well, almost equivalent. I would say less. And yet the deaths in New York are higher than those than other nations that are with immense and dense populations. So 
you have to wonder, what is this virus really targeting and how? And I could tell you, it's numbers. Honesty in numbers. This is so dishonest. It makes no sense. You're telling me in a place that has smaller square miles than New York City with more people per inch than New York City have severe, <laughs> have absolutely zero compared deaths to the, to, to New York City. Are you kidding? And this is the Philippines. New York is cream of the crop. It's top notch, best doctors. You want to get better. You fly into New York. You go to, you know, Sloan Kettering. You go to Bellevue. You go to NYU hospital systems. You go to these places to get better from around the world. But it seems when coronavirus, which is equal across the plane, across the globe, for some reason, all your people are dying. What is the end game? Tomorrow we'll talk about the end game because I'm hoping that the president talks about the end game today during his conference so we can get a heads up. Because highly dense populations across the planet have had, have coronavirus. People that rent sidewalk to sleep on because there's no houses, right? And yet they don't even have close to the numbers of deaths. That we've seen in New York, in Pennsylvania. I mean, come on, you guys. Let's be realistic. How is this even happening? New York City has 22, 20, 20, 20, almost 23 square miles compared to the Philippines, Manila, which is about 20, about 15, right? Square miles. And New York City has less of a population than the Philippines, yet the Philippines have three digits in regards to deaths. And, you know, New York City has crazy, crazy numbers. That's what you need to look at. The numbers and the facts, they're not adding up. The math isn't there. So you have to ask yourself, one, why was this deployed now? We've already covered some of that. Two, what's the end game? Because no one does something without incentive. I mean, you know, even when you say something nice to someone, there's always supposedly an incentive. For me, it's usually, I hope you feel good because it makes me feel good when I feel good, right? But everybody does something for a reason. They released this or they created this or they're fixing numbers. They're fixing numbers for a specific reason. Candace Owens called out the governor of Connecticut saying that the baby died of coronavirus when it didn't. So you have to ask yourself, what is the, why are they labeling these as coronavirus deaths? Why? What do they gain from saying that these are victims? What is it that they will gain? Hmm? Fear, right? Why? They want to push a vaccine. To who? Yeah, right. That's not happening. But do your kids need vaccines to go to school? Yes, they do. Maybe you'll need a vaccine to actually work. Oh, you want um, your social security, sir, and you're like over 65, you need to be, you need to have a vaccination certificate. <laughs> oh, uh, you want to, your kids need to go to school. Yeah. So we need vaccination certificates or you're not eligible for any of the federal programs. Oh, you're applying for your job. Did you include your digital certificate of being vaccinated against COVID-19? Oh, you didn't. Yeah. Sorry. You're excluded from this pool.
This is how they for Oh, you want a bank account? Mm, yeah. So do you have a digital certificate showing that you have, you are up to date on your immunizations? That's exactly what they're going to do, guys. This is exactly what they're going to do. And you know what? Millie Weaver said it four weeks ago. They're going to do like that Africa yellow fever certificate. They're going to push for that. They want vaccines. They want them now, not yesterday. <laughs> now, that's the thing. You have to think, what is the end game? What do they win? Because if you get vaccinated and you have a digital certificate, that digital certificate tracks back to everything of you. And in the end, when they're going to want to really deploy something that can target specific enemies, it'll be super easy. Andrew Beitbart was just the tip of the sphere. Take a listen about this ousted captain and what Fox News had to say about the captain of the Theodore Roosevelt that was fired. Listen to this. A Defense Department official tells Fox News the Navy captain who was relieved of command of the USS Theodore Roosevelt aircraft carrier has tested positive for coronavirus. 50-year-old Captain Brett Crozier was fired from his position after writing a letter saying the virus had created a dire situation on board the carrier. It ended up in the hands of a San Francisco Chronicle reporter who first reported its contents last week. Navy officials say some 155 sailors on the Theodore Roosevelt have now tested positive for COVID-19. Huh, so he got coronavirus, didn't he? And the thing is, they heard um, the acting Secretary of the Navy say he was either naive or stupid. Naive on what sense? Who took his letter and who amplified? Those are the questions everyone should be asking. How did this happen and why? Now, Cuomo, I wanted to pull a, hey, quick, um, a quick quote from what he said in his coronavirus briefing today, which was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, he's giving, they're, they're constantly giving him airtime because again, Joe Biden's not going to cut it. You know, they don't want Bernie Sanders. The, these Democrats are still looking for a candidate. And obviously Cuomo and Newsom, for some reason, are at the top of their list. And Cuomo now is hiding his barbell nipples. Flattening, possible flattening of the curve is... Uh, better than the increases that we have seen. New York is still far and away the most impacted state. New Jersey is having real difficulty. Uh, and I've uh, been speaking with Governor Murphy from New Jersey and anything we can do to well, New Jersey's like, you know, everybody from New Jersey says they're from New York. It's like the same thing. So, well, you know, uh, it's difficult, he's saying, to sustain this pace at the hospitals. They're saying there's a surge in flex. Uh, they had to move 802 ventilators. Uh, they need to relieve pressure from the hospital system. So they have the Javits Center with 2,500 beds and the U.S. Navy's uh, ship comfort um, that they're requesting to use for COVID use, which we don't want. Um, he's also implementing a fine for social distancing. Take a listen. Uh, and people, especially in New York City, the level of activity is up. They, partially the weather made it a nice day. I understand people have been locked up for a long time, but now is not the time uh, to be lax. And it is a mistake. We all have a responsibility. We all have a role in this. We said that from day one. And we have to respect the role that we play. 
because the role that we play is a societal obligation. That's how I see it. Uh, I want local governments to enforce the social distancing rules. The local governments are charged with enforcement. I want them to enforce them. And I want to be, frankly, more aggressive on the enforcement because all the anecdotal evidence is people are violating it at a higher rate than before. So we're going to increase the potential maximum fine from $500 to $1,000. Are you kidding? So now you're going to fine people for going outside up to $1,000 when they don't even have money and they're not working. So jails have yards for prisoners to go out and take walks and exercise. Just like in England, you're not allowed to go outside. You're going to have Karens all up in your business telling you where you're going. So make sure every time you go out, take a couple dollars with you when you go for that stroll. That's what I do. And pretend, well, if I have dollars, I'll just like, yeah, I use cashless. I'll just say that. Cashless society. But get yourself a bottle of milk or something that looks like really important and say, that's all I could afford. I'm walking because I can't afford to drive because I haven't been paid, even though gas is at its lowest, right? So these are the, this is the insanity we're at. They're hot, holding you hot. You're on house arrest right now and they're going to use your data to find it. Again, what is the end game? What is the end game? And hopefully the president right on schedule will be telling I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.